Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Strength in the Numbers. Now sometimes we have guests, mentors that come onto the show and they've just had so many pieces and nuggets of really, really great advice, whether it be for our career or just even outside of our career. And they're just such wise words. Well, today's guest mentor, Paul Sweeney, is one of those who fits into this category. You know, and Paul's picked up these experiences over many, many years working in and around finance. So he's got such great perspectives to share. And one of the main ones we cover on this show is why today's finance professional needs to have an extra, you know, why that extra matters and how we can practically go about delivering this and having an extra in our work. Now, we also deconstruct the finance professional's approach to technology because of Paul's background in finance software and also today's attitude around development towards getting better on technology and data. And Paul also shares some further great advice around Excel salesmanship and a great question he got from his father. So look, this episode is really jam-packed with loads of value. I really encourage you to listen intently to it. And if you wanna follow up on the show notes, you can check these out at sitnshow.com slash podcast slash 078. And don't forget to let your colleagues and friends know about the show and share with those who you think might get some value from some of the great advice that Paul shares with us today. That's enough for me. So without further ado, over to Paul and the show. So really, I, I got started when I went to university. I studied commerce and part of, obviously part of the commerce program is accounting. And so that was my fundamentals. And I kind of went away and did a few other things along the way. And then I found myself working in a business that needed some software to help us manage inventory. So we went out, we, we found a piece of software and in the process of implementing it, I discovered I'm teaching the consultant things. So at, at the end of that, the, the, the consultant said, well, would you be interested in coming joining us? So I thought to myself, well, that sounds kind of interesting, certainly more interesting than what I'm doing. And so I transitioned into software and, and ERP systems and I've been doing that ever since. I suppose it wasn't a deliberate move. It was just an opportunity came and it sort of led you to where you are now. Right? That's correct, yes. And I suppose in terms of that journey, you've probably seen quite a few things, but maybe like would there be one or a thing or a couple of things that really stand out in your mind is quite memorable during that journey? Um, yeah, there's a few things. That like like what I, one of the things that I see that I, I, I get disappointed in is a combination of, of the the people in, in the spaces as the value-added resellers and to an extent the customers oversell and overbuy rather than, than be realistic about what's appropriate for the circumstance. Yeah, yeah. Do, do you mind elaborating? I, mean, I, think I, I think I appreciate because, again, I work, I work in an IT environment, but uh, if you could maybe elaborate for our audience on that oversell well, and so, overbuy concept. So one example is, you know, you, you, uh, a customer I ended up working with that 
when they bought the software, they were sold a whole set of, of capabilities that they still to this day don't use. Right. And, and to me, it's what I see is, is, is the, the vendor is just loading up whatever they can to make sales. And it's not necessarily in the customer's best interests. But then the customer also ha can have unrealistic ideas of what they need. You know, like I've seen companies say, well, you know, we need a tier one solution. Well, your business isn't that complex. Why would you spend that kind of money? And, and a lot of them don't realize that you've got to feed that machine to just keep it running. Right. So they really don't have a sense of what they're getting into, but they think they need this big software because they're a big company. So like, is there any sort of checks and balances that, I mean, I'm sure there is, but like in your mind, what would be the appropriate checks and balances would be on the behalf of the customer to make sure they're not overbuying and only buying what it is they need? Well, the very first thing is that, that my suggestion to people is don't buy everything all at once. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it takes a lot, long time to get these things up and running and, and, and to get value out of them. So the, the add-on things, if they're not going to be part of the first phase of your implementation, don't buy them. Right? Get it up and running first then add things on as you go and as you need them and as you're actually going to use them. Because in the process of, of, of doing the implementation, you may discover that, oh, we can do this same thing some other way that's equally effective. So now I don't need that. right? Or something in the business changes and that plan is no longer valid. Because because that's actually a common. See again, I think I think you know as finance professionals, we tend to have quite a good, broad view across the business, or or at least should have. So so we should have a good sense of what's important for now and maybe potentially down the line. Because again, we should be taking a longer term view as well as trying to make sure things are working at, at the moment. But I hear yeah. that a lot with robotics or robotic process automation is that. It, it's it's brought in to go and replicate a particular process now but if the business model changes or customers expectations change then that might need to adapt so what was purchased originally or expected originally will also have to change and, and that's the last case, thing you want to be is to buy something and, and not be able to to get value from it or make it even worse it's inflexible and it's in effect nearly written off um, yes because we didn't think forward uh, into the future in hindsight but but I mean, I'm not, that's a challenge, I suppose. How do we help people overcome that one? Um, or how can we help businesses overcome that one? That sort of uh, hindsight or that regret of having to write things off that we've entered into in good faith. Well, yeah, and that's, that's, that one's tough, right? Because it, it, when things change, you, you can't really anticipate a lot of changes that are going to have, have that, this kind of an influence where you go, oh, I, this software is no longer any good or this robotics or... Right, some of those are 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 not predictable, but um, from what I've seen, a lot of it is comes back to how well do you really understand your business, and how well do you really understand what tools are going to help you move your business forward? Yes. 
right? Um, so, um, the analogy I like to make is we'd all like to have a Ferrari and buying the Ferrari is quite possible, but keeping it on the road is something completely different. Ah, excellent analogy, yeah. Right? So yeah. When, you, when you go out to buy software, it's a similar thing, right? You, buying it is one thing. Installing it and, get, and getting it running is one thing. But then what's your plan for keeping it running and continuing to get value out of it? Right? Yeah. Because the, the, the piece that I see is fairly common is people are, are not curious. So ah. yeah. when, when, when you put the piece of software in, I teach you the capabilities to get it running. And then if we don't continue to be engaged, that's where your learning stops, right? And that's that lack of curiosity is, a, to me, is a, is a very big thing that impacts the value you can achieve from anything that you bring into your business. Yeah, it's, it's, um, there's, there's, a lot, there's a lot there coming together in my mind, Paul, because you've touched on some of the things. I think they're sort of modern traits um, or that that finance professionals need to have in the future one is actually a knowledge of of how technology tools or even how we can leverage data that that those tools um help bring to our attention our business's attention how to make the yep. most of those into the future not just today but have some ideas what does it mean for the future and how to best leverage them but two other things is sort of that appetite for acumen that curiosity to to try and figure out again how can we leverage them, experiment with them, expect to fail a bit, but also expect to learn and progress. And then also engage, and yes. engage with the business and engage the mind. I mean, it's just, um, it's just it frustrates me a little bit like uh, that we're not necessarily developing those skills in, in future finance professionals are sort of being done on the job or more by forward looking people or organizations and this could come back to some of the co points and comments i don't know we've shared uh, online and offline around the, on linkedin around um the quality of people you yes. know and that the challenge of um of hiring good quality people uh, whether in a large enterprise or, or a much smaller enterprise it's a see it's a common challenge i'm hearing from leaders of both and, and with ex my own experience of both so so I think I think in terms of yourself, I think you had a very very good uh, expression, which was um, one of the things you actually helped do is help help uh, businesses run with fewer people in them, right? Yes. Yeah. And, and and I guess with a few, as, as I think we've been sort of saying, is um, is because that sort of reduces the pressure then to have to continually keep finding good quality people. Yep. Right, and it's and it, it's a tool for helping you retain them, the ones that you do find. Right, because they don't get bored, they don't get find themselves saying, you know, this is really not that fun. Yeah. <laughs> right. Or, or or I you know, I want to do stuff that, that's more challenging. Yeah. yeah. Right. I mean, like if we come back to the the finance group, um the number of times I've seen somebody build a report in Excel that that's taken a report from their software, exported it, stripped out all the formatting and unnecessarily stuff and done VLOOKUPs and done this to create a report. And I look at this and say, well, did you not think that there's a better way? And, and just like, like being in school, lift your hand. Hey, I have a question. Yeah. yeah. Right. And, and that 
is part of the, the thing where um, going forward, if, if people in, in the finance profession, I, I think would do themselves a great service by saying to themselves, is there another way? Right. Just ask the question. And, and one of the things that, that I have seen in, in my experience is that people that are successful are really good, not so much at knowing the answer, but knowing who to ask the question to. I couldn't agree more. Yeah. yeah. Right. So in, in, the, in the world we're, we're discussing, if you are working with software, we have a partner that knows that software that you can have that conversation with say, Hey, I need this report. I'm doing this. Is there another way you leverage their knowledge and, and that partnership can produce great value for you and great value for the business. But, but it does come back to the key points you've already shared, which is one is, is knowing that the tools are out there. Two is engaging with a partner and three is, is having the curiosity to ask the question. Yeah. And being, being open, right? And, and I find that th there's a lot of people that are, just want to put their head down and do it. Yeah, definitely. Which is, you know, every, 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 ta every role has that, that need where you, you, there are things you need to put your head down. But I, I see in the finance roles, there's, there's a whole lot of opportunity for people to, to approach it in a different way. And, and and to bring the intelligence and the knowledge that the finance profession can bring to a business. Yeah. Well. Well. Look. Yeah. You. You know. As a, as finance professionals, I think a good test is is how well do we know our businesses and, and how well do we know who is in our businesses? Because if we don't know who, then how do we know who to ask or best ask? And and like again, I think maybe maybe the profession grew up from us doing that type of work that didn't require us to go out and engaging, which is sitting at our desks, adding things up, producing reports, pulling data yep. together. Uh, you know, maybe, maybe that's just an, an area generally for development, which is, oh yeah, you can actually get out from behind your desks and have some interesting conversations with people, figure out how things work, and we might learn how to make our own jobs better and also add value for the business. I mean, I suppose in your, your experience, you've got a lot of hands-on experience, Paul, you know, around the financial and the op systems development, you know, like when, when it's working well, what does that look like? You know, what, how, where have you seen it work well and what does that look like? Where I see it's working well is when the, the finance group is less focused on the transactions and more focused on creating value from what the transactions are showing. Right. So less focused on, you know, the mundane, put your head down, you know, do this reconciliation, create this report because that, that's just busy work. It's really not creating value. Right. And, and with uh, um, machine learning on the, on the horizon, that, that transaction processing stuff is going to dis going to disappear. So to me, if you want a, a solid future in the finance profession, you need to do more, right? You need to do more than transactions, right? Um, I heard a great clip from a guy and he, the way he described it is, what's your extra? <laughs> yeah, I hadn't heard of that one before. Yeah. <laughs> what's your extra? Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. So anybody can 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 do a journal entry. Anybody can create financial statements. What are you going to do? That's extra. That that brings this real value. That's different from what somebody else can do. Yeah, I like that. That's that's a great mantra. In fact, you've probably come up with a great title for this podcast. Actually, this episode. You know, what's your extra? Um, yeah, I like that. Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's really good. No, it's really good. Really thoughtful. Really thoughtful, bro. And that comes back to that principle of uh, curiosity, as yes. well. Yes. You know? Yep. Yeah, definitely. And and um, no, I, I like that. Like actual an actual fact. Uh, you know, you've outlined some really, really good areas we need to, to think about uh, developing going forward. I, I, um, I guess that's just part of maybe jumping outside of our comfort zones, right? Yep. Right. And, and the, the, when I read through your, your questions, well, the one thing that came to, to mind is that the, the one thing that I would convey to people, the finance professionals, is your, your title might say finance but you're in sales too. <laughs> because if, if, if you want your organization to change, like for example, hey, this software is not working for us. We need to buy something new. Well, guess what? You're in sales because you have to convince a whole bunch of other people to agree with you. That's sales, right? If you want to raise, you're in sales. Yeah. I, I'm just trying to think. You just reminded me of a book I think I read a while back. I think um, it was by Dan Pink, "To Sell Is Human." It's, oh, it's okay. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Paul. Because it's uh, whether we, you know, I know there's finance professionals that find it a challenge to uh, to work with sales colleagues, but there's a lot we can learn from them because a lot of what we do is sales. If we see yes. something happening in the mal- uh, numbers and we want to be value creating, then it, you have to take those insights to impact. Influence is a key key factor there. Being able to go and sell an idea or sell what's happening or tell a story, so that yep. we can take what's in our minds and put it into other people's and, and have a, have some connection on it. Yeah, it's, you're completely right. So I just don't think we probably put enough emphasis. On, and I'm trying to think about, you know, some some conversations I had about some accounting exams and syllabuses lately. It's the same back when when I when I did my my chartered exams. I don't believe, I don't believe we talked much about influence. I think we probably looked down on the sales team. Actually, if any anything, which is the wrong way of looking at it, uh, we should be looking to learn not just from sales orgs, but operations, uh, customer service. There's loads of loads of opportunities to go learn and go areas to go create value in. Um, yes. And 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 in finance, we've no excuse. We've great access to to data to information. Uh, financial and non-financial we've great access to decision makers um so so yeah we should just go get at it and and get out yep. there get outside our comfort zone so look thank you for prompting yes. prompting that paul I, I hadn't really thought about it like that so so i guess in terms of your work at the moment what's what's exciting you most what's exciting me most is that i i see a a change coming and it's, it's, it's happening because I don't know about your part of the world, but in my part of the world, roughly 40% of the workforce are now millennials. <laughs> they don't know any world other than computers. Yeah. So, so the ones that are my generation and older, which tend to be a lot of the, the existing business owners, are being pushed from the bottom to modernize. 
right? And so I see this coming and, and, and I, some of the capabilities I see in software now is, is really nice. It's like, wow, this stuff can do amazing things. And, and like, so, yeah, yeah. So you were saying there, Paul. So that's, that's what gets me excited because I, I see, you know, one of the things that I see is, is that small businesses that embrace what software can do for them can really compete well with big business. That, I, I, I like the fact that you said it. I, I feel it's, it's quite bold, but what gives you that sense of confidence to say it? Well, because like how many times have you been into a, like, I'll use retail as, as an example, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a large retailer and there's no customer service, there's no knowledge, there's no personal connection, right? And, and yes, there's, there's this whole e-commerce thing going, but if, if, if these smaller businesses that are, are not focused on scale, they can use software to compete with these large businesses via e-commerce, but also compete with them on, on the street with personality. Yeah, with personality, yeah, I like that. Right, and, and that personal connection, because the people that are coming into your store are not buying things. They're buying an experience. Well said, and that's yeah. something a large business it has a tough time delivering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I felt it, I thought it. I, I never felt as... as as strong as you to be able to articulate it that way, Paul. So I, no, I, I agree. Now, what, what, where I'm going to challenge you on though is, with the, you know, I, I'd be probably one of the older millennials out there, but in terms of us coming along as a generation, I mean, do you know, and our focus on technology and interacting with our machines, do yep. you think? Do you think like, um, do you think we're going to be able to make the most of that, or business is going to be able to tap into that because? you know, from a personal skills perspective, maybe we're not as used to interacting with other human beings. <laughs> I know it's a tongue in cheek, but, um, but like, what do you think? Do you think we have the potential or do you think that's another challenge to overcome? Well, I, I think, you know, it, this is something that, that, that people latch onto in, in conversation on this yeah. thing. But I think what they fail to recognize is that similar conversation has occurred with every generation, right? The, the words are different, the, the specifics might be different, but every generation that comes along is different. And, and the older generation and the younger generation need to have a meeting of minds of how we're going to work together because there is no other option. Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually funny you mentioned that, I wanna share this with our audiences. I was speaking with an executive of a large business lately and I was saying, and actually also an accounting organization, I was saying we, we don't leverage those conversations between generations enough where people yes. share. It's like mentoring yep. and also reverse mentoring at the same time. It's actually sharing knowledge and just having yes. a conversation. And then that's yep. bringing a meeting of minds together. I just don't think we do it enough. Yep. Well, so in what I do, one of the things that I encourage businesses to do is, is find so the, the younger people who are going to pick this stuff up really quickly and easily and have them teach the older ones, be the on-site resources for the ongoing education, encouragement, um, because that, that process of, of 
teaching and learning yeah. also creates that interpersonal understanding between the generations. I know, I, can, I, can, I can see that. I can, I can see it playing out. I mean, ho- hopefully many listeners here have seen that played out in their own life, whether it's with a, a parent or um, a grandparent or even in yep. a work environment. Um, yes. It does. It's a really good way of developing strong interpersonal bonds and relationships where people are looking out for each other as well from an opportunities perspective, but also I think from a business perspective, it's a great way of creating value when, when minds meet like that. Yes. Right. And, and in terms of your, your um, topic of, of the millennials and, and their focus on the machines, the, the one thing that I would suggest not only to millennials, but everybody else in the finance profession is you need to get out of your office, walk around. The, the, the person on the shipping dock can teach you a lot about your business that you had no idea was going on. All you need to do is go out and talk to them. Be curious, ask questions, and they will teach you. And 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 again, I want. I think that's great advice, Paul. And I want to encourage people. We've we've had previous guest mentors on the show that have said very similar. And there's actually, I said, like, what's the worst thing that could happen from doing that? And they said, well, actually, it was a great thing that happened because I actually learned so much, and um, I realized I could do this, and I did it more. And I was able to add yep. more value to the business and develop deeper connections with people. I mean, it's a great thing to do. It's, it's something very little downside, if any, and loads of upside. That's right. Right. You, you, you learn so much more about the business. And to me, one of the things I have seen is, is again, come back to that large business versus small. The, the large businesses tend to be that very spreadsheet driven focus on the numbers without the connection to what the numbers mean and and the impact your decision will have on the customer experience yeah comes back to experience yeah and that's a great way of looking for it if people are doubting whether or not they want to come out from behind their desks you know like are you giving people a great experience either in your organizations or or outside or whatever you give people a great experience of sitting there producing reports or you know, playing with the transactions or making journals or doing journals, you know, ask, ask yourself that question because um, you got to find some way of motivating yourself to go and give a better experience so you can go and create value for others. Because if we're not creating value, doing that extra, as you say, Paul, then we're very, very fast risk of becoming irrelevant quickly. Yes. Or, or, or and, and when you get out and you talk to people and, and you, um, you create that personal connection, they'll listen to you more when you say, well, you know, we should exactly really do selling. this in our business. Yeah. Right. Because now that they've, they've, they've talked to you, you're a real live person, you've got personality. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they, they, they receive what you say differently. Oh, some great bits of advice there. Look, I really, I really enjoyed where the conversation went, Paul, but um, again, I want to be respectful of your time. So I'd, I'd like to ask some sort of rapid fire type questions. Sure. Um, you've been very giving of advice to us, but what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Uh, probably one of the best pieces of advice I've ever received was from my father. Is, at the end of every day, you should be able to be proud of what you've achieved. Look yourself in the mirror and say, am I proud of what I've done? Yeah. Right? Because like, what are, so one of the things I see is, is that there's so many people that, that um, need 
external affirmation of their value. Yeah. Right. Why does it need to be external? Why can you not value yourself? Be proud of what you've, you've done and say, well, somebody else might not like it, but I feel it was the right thing to do. And it, 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 what I did was in line with my core values. Yeah, I just, I just playing that in my mind there, Paul. And I'm thinking that's something I'm going to start straight away with my kids, because like they're growing up in a generation where it's about how many likes you have, or yes, that external validation. You know, the Facebooks and even to some extent for some of our younger professionals and older on on LinkedIn. Um, yes, it's, it's really about um, you know, did you do the best you could do? Are you proud of what you did? And that should be the, the main validation that matters. Um, and, yes. and actually, hopefully, I'm hoping it brings a smile to people's mind, minds, you know, and it turns a frown upside down, as they say. But I think it's, I think people will be a lot happier if they rediscovered that internal validation. Yes, I completely agree. And that's, that's why, you know, when I saw, when, when you asked this question, that's why I thought, well, to me, this is a, a huge frame of mind that that can help you continue to move forward regardless of what happens around you that's that's a try i might imagine you've probably had to draw on that on a number of occasions in your in your uh, your career your life is there a i know it's probably personal to ask but um would you mind sharing any with us um oh <laughs> <laughs> that was a tough one to pull an example of. Yeah. I guess, you know, like, I'm not sure if it's going to line up perfectly, but when I was in my 20s, I was presented with the opportunity to pack everything up and go and live in Japan. And and, and so I'm and like, I'm saying, you know, it's a risk and, you know, my career. And at the end of it, I, I had to come back to my, my core values and, and say to myself, what, do, what would you rather do when, when you wake up when you're 50 and say, oh, I wish I had gone or wake up and say, oh, what were you thinking? But at least, you know, to me, I decided that if I go, there's no regrets. So that I can be, you know, I go and it, and it just, it was a t- complete disaster. But at least I can look myself in the mirror and say, you tried. You gave it a try. You had an opportunity. You gave it a try. It, it didn't work out. Okay, what next? And actually, how, how how did it go? <laughs> well, I ended up spending three years there. <laughs> so, so it must have been okay in the end, right? Uh, yeah, I think it worked yeah. out. <laughs> Excellent. No, I love that. Thanks for sharing sharing with us that, Paul. You know, it's. Um... A personal story. And I suppose in terms of maybe resources you could perhaps recommend our audience, whether it be a book or, or anything else you could recommend we follow up on? Well, I, I'll come back to um, this this notion that everybody's in sales. So the a book that I would recommend is Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People. Excellent choice. Yeah. I, and again, if, if this was, um, I would say I was quite inept at um, relating to people until I actually read that book and and that really helped me understand um, understand how you should go about interacting with people in, in the right way and it's a, it's a classic yep. it's been around for goodness knows 
well, about a hundred, almost a hundred years. years. I think it was written in the thirties. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think some people might have even had an attempt to uh, to update it for like the digital age and things like that. But it's, it's again the original. I I would say I, I read that at least once a year, just to refresh in yeah. my mind because it's such good timeless knowledge. Um, and the mo and and I have to be great grateful for the person who recommended that to me as a psychologist. Okay. So yeah, I was, I was lacking in certain areas, and he said you should read that book, and um, lo and behold, uh, I, I've been able to get by life until until now, thanks uh, thanks to that book, uh, you know, helping me understand how we should be interacting with people in the right way, and it's it's very yeah. simple, common sense advice, which I was lacking at the time, so great, great recommendation, Paul. And um, Thanks. You know, look, you've been very open, share great advice with us, very valuable advice. If our audience wish to connect with you or, or reach out to you, where's the best place to find you at? Um, you, you can reach out on LinkedIn or uh, via email, paul.sweeney at flexus.biz, F-L-E-X-X-U-S dot B-I-Z. Fantastic, Paul. And I'll put those links mentioned in the show into the show notes as well. And, okay. Uh, My goal was to try to, to convey some things to, to people in, in the profession to kind of, I guess, trigger them to think. And, and say to ask themselves some questions. Because I, and I think you've done that successfully because the questions um, you asked in terms of, you know, uh, am I proud of what I did today? Or what's my extra? They, they do sort of yeah. stop you to stop and think. Like that they're, they're innately, they, they stop you to, oh, okay. And, and they, I know they're introverted in a way, those questions, but I guess that's the aim of them, right? Well, it, it is because you can't change your external world until you change you. That's it. Right. So if, if you are not open to, to changing yourself, how can you create that openness in the world around you? Right. And so I, I would say uh, like, I, I can think of a specific case where there's a, there's a, a, a young guy getting started in the finance world and to an extent he's all over the software, but to another extent, he is so narrowly focused that he is forgetting that the software is just a tool. You know, you you know, that conversation could relate a lot today in finance is, is Excel. Yes, absolutely. That's why it's I mean, it, it, at the end of the day, it's just a tool. And, and many times I ask people, is it the right tool? Yes. It's flexible. Yes. It's powerful, but it's, not the only tool you should be using. Well, not not when people have, around us have been asking that question and developing solutions to challenge the notion that Excel is the best tool. And um, actually, it was our most popular podcast stroke debate was was is Excel dead? And oh, okay. it got hundreds of thousands of views on on LinkedIn alone because oh, because wow. people people were very passionate one way or the other. And the, the true answer yes. is it, it's still a great tool. It just may not, may not be the best tool in all scenarios. Depends what you want to use it well, for. Yeah so, yeah, so like people ask, we talk about reports. And, and so one of the things I say to people is there's really two kinds of reports. There's operational reports where you're going to run that report every day, every week, every month, whatever the cycle might be. You're going to look at it and then you're finished. Then there's analytical reports where you're asking a question. 
and and the question might change the the way you want to look at the data might change well the analytical stuff excel does exceptionally well the operational things i would say excel is not the best tool and that's how, that's just how i look at it definitely well, well you're talking to a guy who, who who basically ran a business for 10 years off the back of excel <laughs> I know, I know small businesses have to fail and medium-sized enterprises have to, but even large ones do. If you look at the Fortune yes, 500 lists right. and how they progress over time. And like you have to imagine a lot of these businesses, small, medium, large, have finance support in some shape or another. And you, you know, are, we, are they the best type of support? Are we asking the wrong types of questions or whatever? But we have to be doing better than the statistic of you know, after 30, 35 years, nine out of 10 businesses failing. You know, um, we're smarter than that, surely. Yes, but, you know, um, th- th- there's so many things that influence a business's success yeah. or failure, right? And, and some of them are a train wreck that you're just watching and you can't do anything <laughs> about. Other ones are a complete surprise. Yeah. And other ones are, are thoroughly preventable, but, right? But sometimes, you, you know, the person that sees it, the, the beginnings of it doesn't have the salesmanship. Yes to convince the rest that, oh, this is an issue. So I, I'm with I'm with you. I'm with you on those those categorizations. And it's just my frustration is probably most with those preventable ones because we've the skills definitely to assess them, but where's the salesmanship skills to to bring them to fruition, to, to share them in the right way with people, to tell the right story about it, paint the picture and get people to take action. Yes. Yeah. Um, so just thinking about it, Paul, what does good salesmanship look like for you? Good salesmanship is good storytelling. So I decided, you know what? I need to improve my ability to tell a story. So I'm going to join Toastmasters to work on that. Oh, wow. I remember I was um, mentoring someone and they they, they joined Toastmasters for very similar reasons. Um, and uh, how are you finding it? Oh, I just started, I think, two weeks ago. But it, it's good. I mean, I... The, the piece that I, I've seen right off the top is that they're very focused on giving everybody the opportunity to, to stand up and speak in, in various different ways so that you become comfortable with it. Because I see a lot of people are very nervous about standing up and talking. Right? And the, the biggest part of that nervousness is you don't have the experience to realize, well, it's actually not that bad. <laughs> Yeah. Right. So I think, you know, the, the, the structure, I think, is really good for helping people become comfortable. You know, and I think, you know, taking it back to the finance professionals who can be more on the introverted side and, and don't necessarily have a lot of experience standing up in front of a group. I think Toastmasters would be a great way to enhance your ability to um, convey to people why they should listen to what you're saying. Paul, look, you've been you've been fantastic guest. I mean, we, we we jumped around a bit on a nice nice little journey there actually in terms of where where you sort of found some opportunities for us to go and create value in finance and practical yep. advice on how to make it happen, particularly around uh, being a bit more curious, engaging, uh, knowing some of the tools out there that exist, and also us helping us find our extra as well in terms of yes. what should that be. So Again, just really appreciate you um, adding value to our community and helping us build our strength in the numbers and coming on the show today. Great. Thanks for inviting. I appreciate being here. It's been a great experience. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. 
If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers. (laughs) 